If you're looking to improve your golf game, then stop right now and hit up my buddy Jason Gandy at Willow Creek Golf Club. He's played in all the big tournaments, he's caddied on the PGA Tour, and now he's using his skill set to help you get better at golf. You can find him at Gandy Golf. That's at G-A-N-D-Y Golf on Instagram or Twitter. And if you're not located in the East Tennessee area, that's no problem because he's got all the technology necessary to help you wherever you might be. Once again, that's Jason Gandy at Gandy Golf. Your golf game will never be the same. Alright, this is the Turn Fancy Golf Podcast. My name is Andrew Putters. Joe Nicely is sitting here with me. Um, let's go. Zozo Championship, Joe. Um, yeah, man. Right there again, you was. Yeah, fought the good fight. <laughs> Ended up fizzling out on Sunday, but yeah, I had a had a lot of good lineups, um, a lot of good calls. That low seven k range was really good to us again, and uh, so I had a, had a shot going into Sunday, and that's all you can ask for. Um, still had a had a good week, just not a great week mm-hmm. um, due due to Sunday. But yeah, man, your call last week on this show. Um, you said you were starting your lineups with a couple guys, and one of those guys was Patrick Cantlay. So how about how about your boy? Yeah, so I'm think like I said. I mean, what worked out was we said that you wanted somebody from the LA area, right? And that's what we had. Yeah, I went to UCLA. Um, not saying that he came out of nowhere, but we really hadn't seen the form that we wanted out of him yet, because uh, we believe he's a top tier player. Uh, he definitely stepped it up this week and uh, brought it home with a seven under on Sunday. Um, basically. I'm not going to say came out of nowhere, but we weren't talking about him four hours before it was over. Uh, heading that back nine, nobody was talking about him, and just he rattled off a bunch of birdies, and they didn't pretty much. Yeah, we've seen him. We've seen him do this before. Uh, we've seen him come up clutch. A uh, big win last year at the Memorial. He kind of had a similar finish. Um, just closed out really strong, um, which makes his. Uh, final round at the Shriners a few weeks ago, even that much more puzzling. You know, we, we talked about him a lot before that tournament. Um, this is the Patrick Cantley we kind of expected to see this year, um, or at least the Patrick Cantley I expected to see. One of my favorite players, really high on his prospects long-term. Um, but he just hadn't been able to put it all together this year. Um, showed some signs at the Shriners. Uh, showed some signs at the CJ Cup, um, but was able to put it all together last week. Big win for him. Um, he'll be taking a ton of positive momentum with him to Augusta, where he played well last year. Absolutely. So we don't we don't expect to see him in Houston, I guess, or do we? Even um, I hadn't seen that yet. I'm not sure. Um, I think a lot of these guys are are kind of non-committal. They're kind of trying to decide what to do since this is a, a brand new situation uh, with the Masters in November. Obviously, um, I even saw that Tiger wasn't ruling out playing in the Houston Open um, over the weekend. So. Um, that's going to be really interesting next week um, to see what happens with that. Um, some takeaways from the Zozo, man. Um, JT and Rom were up there and just could not close that thing out. Um, hey. Did you get a chance to to watch it or or see kind of what happened down the stretch there? 
I watched a few holes uh, on Sunday, you know, going back and forth with the football and things like that. And um, no, I didn't. I mean, like I said, I watched quite a, you know, a, a, or not to say quite a bit, but I watched several shots, several holes on the front nine. Like I said, we weren't even thinking about Patrick Cantlay. Uh, and I said, uh, when I said he made a bunch of birdies and they didn't, that's exactly who I was talking about. Uh, JT and right. Rom, uh, two really experienced closers uh, late in tournaments. Um, yeah, really surprising, man. Um, I mean, I think – I think JT shot three under, Rom shot four under, something like that. So, I mean, it's not going to look that bad on paper um, when, when you're looking at it. But, man, I mean, you got two of the top five players in the world there um, playing a back nine that's got three par fives on it, and they both shoot even par coming down the stretch. So, I mean, you kind of have to wonder. I've always – I'm not sure if it's due to his actual record or if it's just something I've kind of always thought. But I've always viewed JT as a closer. Um but we've seen him come up, come up empty a couple times this season. Obviously, he's played great, uh, put himself in position to win, and he and he has a couple wins this year. But we've also seen him kind of let a few slip away, and that was certainly the case again. Um, but you can argue the same thing for Ron. But I was I was especially surprised by those two guys um, not doing more down the stretch there Sunday. But a great win for Cantley, man. He's he's a great player and. Uh, would love to see him kind of get back in the groove and, and playing with these guys like, like we know he can. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much just an ice-cold golfer. That's what he, that's the kind of the, what he puts off in his personality, you know. I'm sure there's a lot more going on inside than that, but that's just kind of what he puts off. So, so uh, like you said, uh, we had several of these guys uh, pinned down from last week. Uh, you just before, you, before we got on, we were just talking about it, uh, some value guys. Um, uh Cam Smith, Kevin Kisner, uh, Cam Smith, uh, well, Bubba Watson as well. Bubba finished way up there, top four. What, uh, Smith, what, six, seven, something like T- that? T4 for Cam Smith. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Henley, Russell Henley, um, a guy we've been on for a couple weeks, um, was up there again with a T4. Um, and we saw a lot of a lot of our value guys playing well throughout the week, kind of fell back on Sunday for, in my case. Uh a lot of the guys I had, guys like Sebastian Munoz, Brian Harmon, um, Lanto, um, guys that we talked about a lot the last couple of weeks, um, played well for us. Just, just kind of faded out there in the end, but still a really strong week, man. Um, we got this train rolling. Glad you guys are here with us. We're going through the Masters with you, um, and we can't wait, man. We're going to dig into Bermuda this week, kind of catch our breath a little bit with this field, this event. Um, but we got some interesting guys in the field that, that we're going to get to here in a few minutes. Absolutely. So um, I'll just go ahead and hop around that Bermuda train. Uh, like I said, all the way across the United States into the Atlantic Ocean. No better place to go Halloween weekend than the Bermuda Triangle for golf. Mabel, <laughs> run into the Adams family down there. I mean, you can't script this any better, Joe. No, man, we're set up. We're ready. We got a we got a November Masters and we got a Halloween and a Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> so let's let's get it going, man. Who knows what's going to happen this week? That's right. Um, the Bermuda Championship, second year playing, uh, is going to be played at Port Royal Golf Course in Southampton, Bermuda. It's uh, been around since 1970. Designed uh, by uh, Robert Jones, uh, the the most prolific. Uh, modern designer in in United States, Robert Trent Jones, like I said, 1970, uh, renovated it once in 95, he did, and then Roger Rulwich in 2008, looks like he uh, 
he also uh, helped out in the renovation in 08. Uh, par 71, 6,800 yards. Um, Bermuda, Bermuda greens, tees, fairways with a little zoysia rough in there. That's going to be thick, but I doubt there's very much of it. Just uh, real sandy and things like that. So, um, you got five holes with water in play. You know, there's not a lot of knowledge out there about this course. You know, uh, 88 bunkers on the course. Um, pretty decent sized green, 6,000 square foot average. So, uh, one year of history on this tournament. Last year, uh, uh, Brendan Todd, 24 under, uh, wins it. Um, wins, uh, I think, about 400,000, they said, in the the winner share this year, the winner share is way up to seven. And I know they probably did that to try to get some players in the field. So um, what do you think, Joe? Um, I mean, we got to think that with Brendan Todd, just by what we're hearing, Brendan Todd went it last year, um, 6,800 yard par 71, 24 under. We have to think that a somebody gets hot with the irons, it's very consistent and gets hot with the putter. Which I mean, we kind of we kind of zone in on that every week anyway. You know, get you know solid with the irons and get hot with the putter. But we got to think even more. So we can definitely going to rule out the bomber situation here, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's so much like you said, six eight hundred yard golf course. Um, Brendan Todd won last year. We know he's one of the shorter hitter, hitters on tour. I don't think it's so much that it rules out the bombers as is that it. It brings into play the shorter guys. Um, I think the Bombers still have a legitimate chance. Um, like we saw Aaron Wise and Scotty Scheffler play well here last year. So, you know, the, the long guys can certainly play well. Um, I think their advantage is certainly muted on this type of course. Um, but really what it does, um, kind of like what we were talking about with the Shriners at TPC Summerlin a few weeks ago, is it brings just basically everybody in the field into play. Um, there's, there's weeks where we can rule out a large chunk of guys based on distance, based on um, iron play, uh, what have you. Um, but on this course, man, I think pretty much anyone in the field um, has, has got a fighting chance this week, uh, which makes it tough from a DFS perspective because we, we can't rule out kind of a certain style or certain type of player. Exactly. And it's also going to make it tougher for us if we get into the DraftKings here in just a minute and discuss uh, – uh, where they're priced at, but you know, let's just use an example right here. Um, Charlie Hoffman's 9700 this week, right? So we're going to put Charlie Hoffman, write him down at 9700. I'm going to write down another guy. Let's say Scott Stalling 7800, and then I'll even go down here at the bottom uh, and say uh, Peter Uline 6400, right? So we've got three players and three different price points. But here's the here's what's really hard about something a field like this, is that you got Stalling seventy eight hundred, you got Hoffman ninety seven hundred. That's almost two thousand dollars in price difference. In a normal field event, they're going to be three or four hundred dollars difference. So, if you can really find the value in these lower priced players this week, I think your lineup will be uh, served dividends with that. So, yeah, <clears throat> great point, man. Um, great illustration there of kind of how how the salary scale shapes up this week. Um, really reminiscent of a few weeks ago at Corrales uh, when we kind of came across this same thing. Um, I mean, they got to price, price somebody up there, right? So um, got a few obvious ones up at the top, which we'll, we'll touch on here in just a sec. But, yeah, man, like you said, the, the salary scale 
kind of funky, uh, which we're used to for these kind of alternate. It's not an alternate field event, but it was last year. But, you know, lesser, lesser field strength. Uh, we see some kind of funky stuff on the salary scale. Um, we're not going to be as comfortable with our lineups this week. Going to be forced to roster some guys, you know, that, and kind of embrace the volatility with them uh, because they're lower caliber players and what we're used to seeing. Um, so yeah, man, a lot of decisions, a lot of get, a lot to get into on the salary scale. Um, gets ugly fairly quick as we go down. Um, so it's it's going to be an interesting week, that's for sure. Absolutely. So we'll just start at the top. Uh, we got five guys, ten k and above. Brandon Todd, Zalator, Will Zalatoris, uh, Harold Varner third, Doc Redman, Emilio Grillo. Um, we, in a field like this, we got like all five of those guys. However, you got to pick somebody. You got to leave probably three or four of these guys off. Probably all four. Probably four. Um, the ones that kind of stand out to me to try the you know the, the flashing names: Doc Redman, Zalatoris, right? However, sneaky little Harold Varner the third in there, right in between them. Guy's super consistent. You got to think this course sets up perfect for him. Uh, so, out of those five, who are you looking at, Joe? Yeah, just just the ones you said, man. Um, Doc Redmond's Alatoris and HV3 up there for me. Um, I, I get called a Brendan Todd hater sometimes. Um, kind of thought you could give him a look last week, and you certainly can this week. Um, this is one of the courses where he can can really compete with the rest of the field due to the due to the distance of the course being pretty short. Um, but you kind of have to immediately go to a guy like Zalatoris, who we know is just ultra talented. Um, probably kind of a really talent wise, probably a tier above most of this field. Um, like you said, HV3 has been very very consistent, been knocking out strong finishes, and you, you feel like eventually he's gonna gonna get in that winner's circle <clears throat> at some point. Um, might be a tournament like this when he does it. And then Doc Redmond, man, a guy we've talked about a ton on the show since the restart, player I really, really like. Um, was looking at him today, and it's hard to believe that he's still just 22 years old, uh, which is kind of crazy. But he's had uh, two T3s uh, over his last six starts. Uh, tons of upside there. Um, kind of like I said with HV3 and Zalatoris, so you feel like he's got a win coming at some point in his young career. So <clears throat> this might be the week, but – um, not as big on Todd and Grio up there as those three guys. Um, hadn't made my mind up which one I'm going to start with, but it'll probably be one of those three, uh, with leaning towards Zalatoris or Doc up there. Yeah. So just break down Zalatoris here. He's played in four events on the PGA Tour. He's made, he's made three cuts, missed one. Those three cuts he's made, all three have been top tens. Okay. And he's done this, Joe. Let me just pull up the exact numbers before I stick my foot in my mouth. Uh, he's done this, I believe, being 119th strokes gained putting against this field. Yeah, man. Think about that. <clears throat> Think dude's, about that. dude's just a beast. He's, he's a beast. He's ultra talented. We talked a couple of weeks ago about his Corn Ferry Tour record. Um, you look at recent rounds, the last 12 rounds, he leads this field and Strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained ball striking, strokes gained off the tee. I think he's third in approach. Um, kills par fives. Um, so there's just a ton to lock, man. Uh, this this is a kid that we're definitely going to see as a PGA Tour regular here in the next couple of years. Um, he would already be on the PGA, PGA Tour if it weren't for the COVID situation, I believe. And has a chance to get his uh, card this week with uh, by playing well. He's just a few points away, I think, from getting uh, – 
a special membership. Yeah. So um, definitely some some things for him to be fighting for this week. Um, but yeah, man, you have to love Zalatoris. Um, don't know that the kind of shorter length really plays to his strengths, um, but we know he's going to score on these par fives. Should be able to take advantage of the short par fours. And he can just make a ton of birdies. Um, he's coming off the Corn Ferry Tour, and that's kind of what you have to do um, on that tour to succeed. This is a similar type of layout to one we might see on the Corn Ferry Tour, honestly. Um, so you really have to like Zalatoris there. But lean to him and Doc up there for sure. Um, dropping down into the nines, um, first player that sticks out is uh, Denny McCarthy, guy we talked about on here a lot. Not the greatest ball striker, but – is literally the best putter on the PGA Tour. Um, great on Bermuda, which is what they'll be facing this week. Um, so I, I'm super interested in Denny. Played in this tournament last year, played well. Um, so I think we can go back to him here this week. Um, you got any thoughts there on Denny or anybody yeah. kind of in that, love, that high nine range? Love Denny, but um, I love Denny McCarthy here. Like you said, the history uh, feels like this. He's just been, just been raking in the fancy points against fields like this. And uh, – but if you were looking to shave a few dollars off, slide on down to the little East Tennessee guy. Peter Malinali has played extremely well uh, over the past, say, uh, three tournaments, 12 rounds or so. Strokes gained uh, approach. He's obviously a great putter. You said Dan Carthy is probably the best putter on tour. I would put Malinali in the top ten easily. Um, doesn't hit the ball very far, but whenever he's hitting it straight and when he gets his irons on, that's when he's dangerous. Um, one thing I want to point out, uh, with the disc distance, the par, uh, you know, par 71 style of golf, um, maybe minus the trees. I don't really remember visually what this course is going to look like. A lot of similarities to Hilton Head already. I'm already seeing uh, the people that are uh, highly priced here looks like are highly priced there as well. Uh, just saying that. And Malinati has played well at Hilton Head. So, yeah, he has, man. I, I'm glad you brought him up. Obviously, we're a little biased. Uh, from all not even because he's from our area, but <clears throat> he, he, he would be good on anybody's sheet this week. Um, the guy's been playing great. We talked about a couple weeks ago that it's kind of a shame that, he, that he's missed the last two weeks because he was playing such good golf. Had a runner-up finish at the Sanderson. Um, the Sanderson also has Bermuda grass greens. He gained 9.2 strokes putting that week. Um, and then logged in a little top five at the Shriners the next week. So, I mean, he's, the guy's just on fire. This track sets up perfectly for him. He kills it on Bermuda greens. Um, so a ton to like with Mal Naughty, man. Really glad you brought him up. And that's a that's an interesting little range right there. Um, kind of that low nine, high eight range. We got Mal Naughty there. Christopher Ventura is a guy we've kind of been in and out on. Um, he's someone you can look at. Henrik Norlander um, is a guy that we talked about a lot there for about a month stretch um, after the restart. And I think you can kind of get back on – the train this week, even though his price is up there a little bit. He's an excellent uh, player in this range. And a kid that we talked about before the U.S. Open, he, he didn't play well at the U.S. Open. And it might not have been fair to uh, toss his name out there and, and that kind of event at Wingfoot is uh, Rasmus Hogard. He's 19 years old, and he's already won twice on the Euro Tour. They've priced him up. I mean, you're going to have to pay to roster him, but he's an extremely talented kid. And a guy we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago at the Shriners, Justin Suh, we got him for free then. He was like 6,400. And uh, 
we told you guys to play him and he came up with a uh, T8 to, uh, to earn his way into this event. So they've got him priced up again, but you can certainly look at him. He's the former number one ranked amateur in the world. Um, so you can look at Justin Suh there. Um, a, lot of, a lot of options, that high eight, low nine range. Absolutely. I'm glad you got his name right that time. Yeah, uh, he's not got, Sue. It's, uh, we, got, we got corrected uh, yeah. by the West Coast fans. Um, yeah, uh, so you were dropping you, – you, we just kind of just talked about – you got into the high eights there. As you slide down the eights, um, I'm going to continue to think about, like I said, Hilton Head whenever I'm looking at these players. And a name that sticks out is – Luke List, uh, great ball striker, um, not so great with the putter. Um, you know, not not played well as late. Uh, usually his better uh, tournaments are in the spring, and that's mainly because uh, – or better finishes are in the spring, mainly because uh, he plays a ton of events in the springtime usually in the golf courses that favor his game. But uh, any other thoughts besides uh, – I'm hitting on Luke List. Um, yeah. Uh, List is a list is a legit guy to bring up because of the Hilton Head comp, um, and he also he had a top ten at Corrales, which I'm kind of comparing to this tournament as far as a uh, very very similar type of field. Um, needed a ton of birdies there, kind of a coastal windy track like this one is, um, and I'd also bring up a, a name that that rings a bell on on these type of tracks. A guy we've we've touched on several times is Adam Shank, there at 8100 who I think has a, has a great chance to play well this week. Um, no sexy finishes, but he's just been knocking out really solid finishes, man. Um, the prices went up a little bit, but you're talking about he's not missed a cut since June. Um, so I think Shank's certainly a guy you can look at. Um, Patrick Rogers is a guy we talk about a lot on this show. I don't know that this is a great Patrick Rogers track. I prefer him more on – uh, tracks where he can kind of bomb it away and just make a ton of putts and, and have four par fives. Um, this one only has three. Um, but you can certainly give him a look. Pat Perez is kind of a name you know there, as well as Stuart Sink and Scott Stallings, who you mentioned. Um, but maybe a guy that's been a one of our favorite value plays, they got him priced up this week, but I'm still in as Wesley Brown. Um, and, and you talk about the Hilton Head, the Harbortown comp. Uh, we know he's won at Harbortown before. And he's played excellent golf coming off a shoulder injury when he's been able to tee it up. Um, you got any thoughts on Wesley? I know we've we've went to him multiple times on this show, but he's he's kept rewarding us, man. He's knocked out several top twenty fives for us since the restart. I'm sorry, I'm back. I was on mute there for muted myself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on, uh, Wesley Bryan or I like Wesley Bryan this week coming off a of T12 of the Sanderson. Um, like you said, uh, the thoughts are, uh, with Hilton head, him being a past winner, like I said, uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, what really does it going to be hard to look at is whenever I'm in here and I'm, I'm starting my roster off with Malinati, Stalling, Stewart Sink, and Wesley Bryan. So, hey, man, it, it might not be a bad lineup this week. Um, I'm looking at Wesley Bryan's just recent uh, last 12 rounds numbers. First in the field, strokes gained approach. Um, third in the field, strokes gained ball striking. Seventh in the field, strokes gained tee to green. Um, this is a guy that we're getting in this field at 7,800. Um, so even though the price has went way up on him, um, you could still argue we're getting a really good value with him at 7,800 this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, 
I love Wesley Bryan. The, 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 I'm going I'm to pump the brakes a little bit on Adam Shank a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, this is only what I've noticed by watching it, um, you know, keeping up the scores, watching here and there, is that the dude comes out firing. Six under first round, four under, and then he finishes that for the tournament. It's like uh, he has like a little lull, a little Saturday Sunday lull yeah. every week. Not saying he's choking at all, but just can't really get it going. It seems like yeah, so. that's a that's a great point, man. I've noticed that before too. Um, so great call on Shank. Uh, maybe maybe a guy you might want to toss a first round leader bet on. Um, but I, I've kind of noticed that same trend with him as well. Yeah, so uh, sliding on down to the sevens, uh, it's really hard because you got a lot of guys that hit the ball really far right in here um, as far as Rodgers, RCB, Johnny Vegas. Uh, these guys really hit the ball a long ways. Wyndham Clark uh, might not necessarily want to – they don't – maybe their game doesn't really fit here. Um, you know, it's fun. I say that, but, you know, RCB, he has the he, – he, he struggles with finishes. I mean, he hasn't – had the greatest finishes, 40, you know, he finishes around the 30s in events he actually makes the cut because he's playing pretty much full-time on the PGA Tour now. But it seems like his game is altered. You know, when he first broke on the scene, everybody kind of first saw who he was, was at Augusta, right? He shot that – he got put in a big old pairing in the first couple rounds because of who he who – he's a big, you know, like I say, a sexy name coming from Europe. And uh, he bombs off the tee. Big old tall, good-looking, skinny guy that just – he hits it really yeah, good. He hits I mean, it far. You see his name there, man, and and I think we talked about this. I can't maybe it was at the Sanderson, um, but you see his name around these other guys in that mid seven range, and you just want to play him. Um, but but when you dig into his numbers, it's pretty ugly. Um, he's not been hitting the ball well. Made a little run there at the U.S. Open. Um, had a just a total bag overhaul with his equipment. Um, but I know why he did that because he's he's been hitting the ball horribly. Um, game strokes tee to green and with his arms one time since since August. Um, so just really tough to pull the trigger, even though you feel like the pedigree's there. Another guy that you could kind of say the same thing about Russell Knox. You feel like he's he's way underpriced in this field at seventy six hundred, but when you dig into his to kind of his stat line, been really struggling, man. Um, he does, however, with Knox. He does seem to be kind of trending in the right direction. I think he had a top 10 at the Safeway a few few weeks ago. Um, has had a couple of positive iron outings. So you can give Knox a look. This this really feels like his type of track. I think he had like a T11 here last year. Um, we know he's played with Harbor Town before. So you might could give Russell Knox a look there. Another guy there in that range just to hit on is Sepp Straka. He's a guy I feel like just kind of brings some sneaky upside to the table. Um, doesn't really have any finishes that blow you away. Um, doesn't really statistically blow you away, but he's just kind of a proven guy that we've seen play well in these type of events. And then after after that, man, um, you could maybe look at Stewart, Brian Stewart there just a, a tiny bit. Uh, Wyndham Clark's name jumps out, but this doesn't seem like his type of track. And after that, man, it, it starts getting pretty ugly as you move down the scale. Okay, what about the Duff Daddy? Guy's such a horrible putter, but I mean, that's that's the only thing that scares me with Duff and like some of these other guys. Um, I know it's Kyle Stanley down there who's ball striking. We like he's right there with Duffner, um, and even Max Homa. Um, these guys you would think you know in this field maybe you want to give them a look, but I mean they're going to have to make some putts, Andrew. Um, you're talking, and we've seen these scores just go nuts. 
Uh, I mean, you got to think, uh, unless the wind really gets going down there, you got to think like 25 under, man. And is Duffner just, is Duffner going to make enough putts to shoot that low of a score? I mean, we know he hits it absolutely great. Um, same can be said for Kyle Stanley, but are they going to make enough putts? Oh, I just, I just saw something for the first time, Joe. Will Gordon's playing. Oh, no. Oh, I, I, God. I know. I know. I saw him earlier. He's like 6,700. Oh, God. I don't think we can can do it, man. We can't pull him off the list at 6,700 in this field? Oh, it's so so gross. There's some names down there you know. I mean, it's like Will Gordon. We know he's capable of making a bunch of birdies, um, but he's just burned us so many times. And kind of really reminiscent of last week, we we spent a little bit of time talking about Jordan Spieth last week at 6,900. Brandon Grace is 6,900 in this field this week. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking at his numbers uh, right before you said that. Uh, obviously played well in Hilton Head, but, man, he's had just such a horrible year since the restart. Uh, that's why it would kind of uh, red flag him. Yeah, man. It's it's so crazy to see his name down there. Um, kind of like Spieth last week. It's just, just kind of weird that Spieth was 69 as well last week. Um, but Grace just hadn't showed us anything. Um, really tough to pull the trigger on him, even though you, you kind of like the name recognition. Uh, a guy like Scott Harrington you could maybe give a look to. He's played well in these kind of kind of weaker field events um, where these guys have to make a lot of birdies. Um, he came off the Corn Ferry Tour last year, um, which is we touched on kind of what this track uh, reminds you of, of maybe kind of a Corn Ferry Tour event where you got to make a ton of birdies. So, I mean, I don't mind looking at Scott Harrington. Uh, Swafford hadn't done anything since the win at all. He's looked terrible. Um, Vincent Whaley's a guy um, that not a lot of people know, but has played some pretty solid golf. Um, might be kind of a little sleeper down there you can look at. A really good Bermuda putter. Um, he logged, logged a couple of top 25s there uh, in September, so you can look at him. And after that, man, unless you wanted to go to like a Will Gordon down there, um, I mean, there's Ryan Armour's down there. Uh, Ollie Schneider Jans is coming back on. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy you can maybe look at. But, man, it's ugly down there. It, it really, really is this week. Yeah, I was looking uh... – is that Paul Stankowski? Oh, God, he's like 100 years old. <laughs> Paul Stankowski. <laughs> last term, it was the Bermuda last year. He shot 75-73. Ooh. Um, Fred Funk in the field, baby. Fred Funk's got- in the field, and Fred Funk's son is in the field. Uh, that's probably why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ollie's I- in the field, and Ollie's brother, Luke, is also in the field. Yeah, I saw so that. I- interesting. Yeah, I was looking at um, – uh, Brandon Grace, four out of five, four out of five missed cuts in a row, or missed the last four cuts in a row. He has made one cut in the last ten tournaments, which is sick to talk about. What about a uh, guy that broke my heart in head to head at Hilton Head? Has missed every cut since, <laughs> but uh, Vaughn Taylor uh, could sneak in there. Not saying he will, um, but that's yeah, that's man. A- I mean, these guys. It, it- it's like the guys, the, the names that we know, the guys you'd maybe want to give a look to, um, just without fail, when you dig into their game log, there's a reason they're priced down there. Um, there's not really any any sneaky options as far as, 
you know, guys that are really hitting the ball well or guys that are in good form. Um, all we're all we're treading on is these guys. Um, like I saw Lucas Beergard down there at 6,500, who, who's a Euro Tour player, but we've seen him play really, really good golf uh, at different times over the last couple of years. But man, if you look at his numbers and results, they're just horrible. Um, and the same can be said for just you know basically all these guys down here. Um, one guy that stood out. I always try to find kind of one guy maybe to throw at you guys. And a couple guys stood out to me down there this week um, that maybe I'll, I'll throw a dart with. One is Camille Vajegas, who is a guy that kind of burst on the scene several years ago and that a lot of people thought was a rising star, but kind of faded out. He's been playing some pretty solid golf, so I wouldn't care to give Camille a look down there. And another guy who's, who's only about a year away from playing really, really good golf is Andrew Putnam. I'm not sure what's happened to him. We saw him pop up a couple of weeks ago, though, I believe at the Shriners, um, where he played some decent golf, or the Safeway. I think it's the Safeway, and he's made three cuts in a row. Um, so you can maybe give a look to Andrew Putnam down there, who not too long ago, you know, 12 months ago, was playing really, really good golf and was, was in WGC fields and, and uh, really nowhere near where he is right now. But he's a guy you can maybe give a look to down there. But other than that, man, Unless you got somebody, there's nothing else for me down there this week. I mean, uh, you can almost uh, down there cover your eyes up and throw a dart. I mean, like you said, the names that kind of stand out uh, is going to be like a. I mean, how you know the thing that Bill Hawes is 6,400 in this field. You look at his line, his stat line, you can see why. Uh, same thing with uh, Brandon Grace. You know. Three years ago in this field, Brandon Grace is going to be 9,800. Uh, he's 6,900 today. It's crazy. Um, I, I yeah, don't it's, want... it's frustrating, man, because, I mean, the guys in this field that we – really the only guys that we feel comfortable with are the guys up top. I mean, I, I think you'd agree that there's, there's a handful of guys up there that are really good players and that we would really like to get in our lineups, but there's just – there's not really anywhere to even go stars and scrubs unless you're just totally throwing darts down there. Um, I mean, this would be a week where I'd, I'd normally want to target those guys up at the top, be willing to take my chances cheap. Um, but it's so ugly down there, man, that it's hard to do that. I mean, it almost kind of forces you to go a little bit more balanced, even if that's that's not something you feel great about with a lot of these guys uh, kind of in the mid-range. But, you know, that might be where we have to go um, because it is so ugly you know, in, in the lower sixes. Yeah, I mean, I've, we could see a lot of uh, a lot of ownership in that seventy-five to 8,000 then uh, because of that. You know, the uh, Russell Knox, Wesley Bryan, Stalling, Stuart Sink, like you mentioned, also maybe Patrick Rogers, RCB, uh, Snack, even up to Danny Willett. Might see a lot of ownership right there this week. So Yeah, I mean, at, at least you feel like you know what you're getting in that range. Um I mean, none of those guys are going to knock your socks off, but you do kind of feel like you know what you're getting. Whereas, um, really, man, you're getting down the low sevens, down into the sixes. It's, I mean, you're really rolling the dice down there, which isn't to say that that you can't kind of grind it out this week, research this week, um, find something that you like about a guy down there. You know that you can that you can pair with a Zylotaurus or pair with a Doc Redman, um, and, and maybe get a little bit of stars and scrubs in your lineups um so just work the research um kind of keep grinding it maybe find somebody locked down there absolutely yeah I'm, I'm on page with you there um 
So uh, who who you throwing out in that mid, that dart? You've already threw out those two guys really low. You want to throw out another name, just the shot in the dark, or you good? Yeah, man, I would save Jagison Putnam, kind of kind of as my real my real deep putts. And then I, I really like Wesley Brown this week. I don't think he's going to be a dark horse by any means. I think he'll actually be pretty popular. Um, I think, like you were just saying, a lot of people are going to work their way into that range. Um, so, but I, I really do like really do like like Wesley Brown this week. I'm gonna throw some out, and they are right at seven thousand. Uh, <clears throat> Cameron Piercy, uh, seven thousand. Not a bad call, man. Uh, yeah, I feel like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, he could be in the top ten easily. Uh, he's probably a little underpriced, actually, with this field with uh, his uh, recent history. So that's all I got. Uh, my name's Andrew Putters. Uh, this is Joe Nicely, and I forgot to mention he is the lead golf editor at RotoBaller.com. Uh, what you got going on? What we got going on over RotoBaller? Great fan of the program here. Yeah, man, we, we really hope you'll go check out uh, Roto Baller. Um, kind of like I was just mentioning, um, do your research. Uh, really dig in this week. We got you totally covered over there. We got a huge PGA research station. You're kind of a one-stop shop. We got tons of stats, course history, recent form, all in one place. Um, Josh Bennett does an amazing course breakdown, so you can really dig into this week's course. Uh, Spencer's got you covered on betting. Um, and I'm dropping the core four on Wednesday, uh, DraftKings core four. It's my favorite four plays of the week. So we hope you'll check that out. You can sign up for premium using code NICE, N-I-C-E. And we hope to see you over there. Absolutely. Like I said, uh, my name's Andrew Putters. That was Joe Nicely. And this is the Turner Fantasy Golf Podcast signing off for the Bermuda Championship 2020.